An Air Force general warning the U.S. would make a Chinese invasion of Taiwan Beijing's most difficult battle. A $30 million donation, all for Taiwan's civilian defense programs. The Taiwanese businessman making the donation, giving up his foreign citizenship in favor of the island. China fearing for its economy, but there's still no end in sight for the country's zero COVID-19 policy. Because of the strategy, 65 million are under full or semi-lockdown. And reports from Western China's recent earthquake are in. Dozens found dead, with still more missing. While survivors say they were stopped from fleeing to safety when they tried to leave their buildings. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. What would the U.S. do if Beijing invaded Taiwan? A U.S. general spoke about would-be strategy on Tuesday. General Kenton Hinote, deputy chief of staff of the Air Force, said the Pentagon would target China's core logistical support during a hypothetical invasion. He made the remark during Atlantic Council seminar, going on to say that he hopes Beijing understands we're not just going to let their logistics flow. He also added that the U.S. would make an attack on Taiwan really hard for China. He warned that the U.S. would do everything possible to stop Beijing from invading Taiwan and make it one of the most difficult military operations in history. He said the U.S. hopes that the China-Taiwan status quo remains intact, noting that U.S. officials don't want to see China invade Taiwan or send missiles toward Japan. General Hinote has been a strong advocate for the seriousness of China's threat. He says militarily, Beijing is catching up with Washington fast and in some key areas has even surpassed the U.S. At a congressional hearing last year, he warned that Beijing's military threat used to be a problem 10, 15 years out in the future. But now it's a current problem. Another U.S. intercontinental ballistic missile launch sent up on Wednesday. The Pentagon commented on the test this week, saying it notified Russia in advance. The purpose of the ICBM test launch program is to demonstrate the readiness of U.S. nuclear forces and provide confidence in the security and effectiveness of the nation's nuclear deterrent. The Pentagon called the missile launch a routine test. It follows another missile test last month. Washington delayed that test after a fierce reaction from Beijing over House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's recent visit to Taiwan. Taiwan is training its forces to get ready for a potential Chinese invasion. That's as Beijing keeps increasing its military activities. Taiwan is holding military drills alongside rising tensions with Beijing. No matter what actions the enemy takes, we will be ready to confront the enemy with the most determined will. The drill simulates a situation where Taiwan is fighting against an invading enemy. Soldiers fired missiles. Tanks fired live rounds at targets. The intensified training comes amid rising tensions with Beijing. The regime conducted live drills around Taiwan following House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit. And for the first time, Taiwan shot down a Chinese civilian drone that entered its airspace last week. Taiwan kicked off the drills Tuesday night. Although Communist China has recently incessantly made moves towards us, 
trying to incite disputes, we will still carry on with exercises in the spirit of preparing for war without seeking war and reacting to war without causing it in order to train up the fighting abilities of our soldiers. Also on Tuesday, Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen visited military forces in a base. Situations around the Taiwan Strait remain tense and the threat hasn't gone away. On top of sending warships and fighter jets to harass Taiwan, the Chinese Communist Party also uses disinformation to affect our domestic morale. She praised the island's military. In the face of challenges, our national military has calmly responded to the enemy's intents as intrusion and have tenaciously defended the country's security. Tsai said she believes the military's combat skills are more mature and its combat power is also stronger. One of the richest Taiwanese businessmen is offering over $30 million to develop the island's civilian defense programs. He also gave up his foreign citizenship and resumed his Taiwanese passport. He says a dislike of the Chinese Communist Party is driving him. Here's more. One of Taiwan's best-known businessmen, Robert Chow, released a plan to support Taiwan against a potential invasion from the Chinese Communist regime. He said last week he would provide over $30 million to two civilian defense training programs. This will be a private effort to defend Taiwan amid heightened tensions with Beijing. Xiao said he's making the donation simply because he doesn't like the Chinese Communist Party. He outlined how he believes the Chinese Communist Party will infiltrate Taiwan and attack its peace and stability. In the future, the Chinese Communist Party can only expect Taiwan to be paralyzed by an internal strife. They'll fund the hooligans to make trouble everywhere or secretly buy some corrupted celebrities and politicians in Taiwan to spread defeatism and surrenderism, to sabotage the unity of the Taiwanese people and weaken their fighting spirit by means of rumors, provocation and slander. Sixty percent of the funding will go to Jump Start. That's a program to train three million civilian warriors in three years. The rest will be used to train 300,000 expert marksmen from among so-called common folks across Taiwan. Wearing a bulletproof vest, Xiao said he had renounced his Singapore citizenship and is now 100% a Taiwanese citizen. This is not the first donation the businessman has made for similar purposes. Amid Beijing's military drills around Taiwan following U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's recent visit, Xiao pledged to donate approximately $100 million to the island's defense last month. Beijing considers Taiwan part of mainland Chinese territory and has not ruled out using force to bring the island under its control. Taiwan has never been ruled by the Chinese Communist Party. Xiao says he once saw China as a promising market, but now he reportedly regrets that after all the obstacles he faced in running his business in China. His company has since made a strategic shift out of China to the U.S. market. Global demand is dropping, and China is worrying about its export businesses. The shift puts Chinese policymakers under mounting pressure to boost the economy. But there is still no sign that top Communist Party officials will lift the country's zero COVID-19 policy and the widespread lockdowns that have come with it. Let's zoom in. Trade numbers raised fresh worries for China's economy on Wednesday. Exports and imports both lost momentum in August. They took a hit as soaring inflation hit overseas demand, 
while fresh lockdowns and heat waves disrupted production at home. Exports rose 7.1% from a year earlier, a big tumble from the 18% gain in July and way below analyst forecasts. Imports eked out a gain of just 0.3%, also well below forecasts. The disappointing numbers rattled global markets and sent China's yuan currency sharply lower. Economists say it all adds to signs of waning global demand. Falling prices for sea freight had already pointed to a slowdown in shipments to Europe and the US. Cars were one of the few bright spots in August. Auto exports were up by almost a half on the year, boosted by demand for new energy vehicles. Even so, Chinese policymakers face mounting pressure to shore up the country's flagging economy. Earlier this week, Beijing signalled that it was ready to take action, with data all pointing to a drop in growth momentum. China has locked down 65 million of its citizens under its COVID-19 control policies. Officials are also discouraging domestic travel during upcoming national holidays. 33 cities across the country, including seven provincial capitals, are under full or partial lockdown. According to Chinese business magazine Caixin, over 100 cities have reported infection outbreaks. Chinese authorities have adhered to a zero-COVID-19 that seeks to eliminate the virus from within China's borders. Main strategies include mandatory mass testing for residents, extended lockdowns and quarantine requirements. China has placed hundreds of millions of people under lockdown since the virus first broke out. But the strict control measures have hit the economy hard and in some cases prevent residents from obtaining food, health care and basic necessities. Chinese demand for Russian energy is rising. Russia's energy company Gazprom said on Tuesday it had signed an agreement to start switching payments for gas supplies to China to Chinese yuan and Russian rubles instead of dollars. The two countries have developed closer ties since the Ukraine war began. It comes as Chinese shipments to and from Russia accelerated in August compared with a month earlier, according to calculations based on Chinese customs data. In the first eight months of this year, bilateral trade between China and Russia jumped over 31 percent. Russian President Vladimir Putin is planning to meet with Chinese leader Xi Jinping next week. Russian media reported that the meeting will take place on the sidelines of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit in Uzbekistan. The summit kicks off September 15th. Could the war in Ukraine draw Russia closer to countries like Iran, China and North Korea? The Pentagon says Russia is reaching out to North Korea to buy ammunition. Um, I'm not able to provide any more detail than that at this point in time, um, but it does demonstrate and is indicative of the situation that Russia finds itself in, in terms of its logistics and sustainment capabilities as it relates to Ukraine. The White House also said on Tuesday that Russia could be about to buy literally millions of artillery shells and rockets from North Korea. The State Department also confirmed that Russia is in the process of buying the weapons. Russia's ambassador to the United Nations dismissed the reports, saying, I haven't heard it and I think that's another fake being circulated around. White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby noted that this is a potential purchase. He said there were no indications that that purchase has been completed or that the weapons would be used inside Ukraine.
Western China's earthquake death toll has jumped to 74. 26 are still missing after the disaster. Residents say they are frustrated with local COVID-19 lockdowns, which blocked them from leaving their buildings for safety during the quake. Here's an update. The death toll is rising and aftershocks continue in Sichuan. After a magnitude 6.6 earthquake hit the Chinese province on Monday, over a million residents in surrounding areas are reported to have felt moderate tremors. Some homes and buildings are destroyed or severely damaged. This dashcam video shows the moment the quake struck in Luding, a county near the quake's epicenter. Tall trees and structures are swaying and shaking. At one point, the facade of one building just crumbles. Authorities locked down 21 million residents in the Sichuan capital of Chengdu because of rising cases of COVID-19. This social media video underscores the heightened tension among residents who are venting their frustration as they remain in lockdown after the quake. On social media, a man pleads, Do you understand the situation we are dealing with in Sichuan right now? Because of COVID, we can't go out. But because of the earthquake, we can't stay inside. Who can tell us where is the safest for us? The region has also endured drought and the worst heat wave on record. And now, the aftermath of a deadly earthquake. It's misery upon misery in this afflicted Chinese province. Local anger over Beijing's zero COVID-19 policies has been growing following the quake. Police and health workers refuse to allow residents out of their apartment buildings. One video captured an emergency door sealed shut, while another shows residents trying to kick open the building's entrance. Unauthorized personnel have been banned from entering Sichuan province, including volunteer rescue workers. While survivors of the disaster, along with all rescue workers, are still required to get tested daily for COVID-19. Despite the strict measures, infection outbreaks have been reported in over 100 Chinese cities. That's the highest since the early days of the pandemic in 2020. Coming up, mass DNA collection in Tibet. Authorities say it aims to fight crime, but a human rights organization hints at something else in a new report. And a closer look at the raid on former President Trump's home. How could it impact China? A policy analyst breaks it down. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Now, we shift to a new report from Human Rights Watch. It says the Chinese communist regime is hugely boosting its DNA collection efforts in Tibet, something the New York-based organization says has been happening for a decade. The report came out on Monday. It says Chinese authorities are increasing DNA collection from residents throughout the Tibet Autonomous Region. Tibetan residential areas in a neighboring province are also getting similar treatment, spanning from cities to remote villages. The move targets residents five years old and up. In some areas, police are going door to door to collect DNA samples. Cooperation is mandatory, and blood samples are even being collected in kindergarten classrooms. 
Locals are told the efforts seeks to fight crime. But Human Rights Watch says it allows the Chinese regime to track and control individual Tibetans living there. Similar collection campaigns have also been carried out in other parts of China, especially in the Xinjiang region. That area is home to the Uyghur ethnic group, who call it East Turkestan. A senior U.K. lawmaker is calling on the newly elected government. He's pushing for a ban on buying technology linked to the repression of Uyghur Muslims in China and another ban on importing all cotton products produced in the Xinjiang region. It comes after the U.N. published an assessment of human rights concerns linked to Xinjiang, which concluded serious human rights violations have been committed. NTD's Malcolm Hudson has more. Tory MP Tom Tugendhat has urged the incoming government to take a harder stance against China over the abuse of the Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang. Writing in The Telegraph, he pointed to the recent United Nations Human Rights Commissioner report as a reminder to be firm with the Chinese regime. The report concluded that serious human rights violations have been committed. The Chinese regime's treatment of the Uyghurs has come under increasing international scrutiny for several years with allegations including forced labour and genocide. Tugendhat said the UK must stop buying technologies such as cameras from China. He said this equipment facilitates the repression of Uyghurs and that it is unacceptable for the UK to be complicit by buying cameras and surveillance equipment from the same providers. He also called on the new government to look into banning the import of cotton products made in Xinjiang due to the risk that they were made by Uyghurs in slave-like conditions. He said, Britain banned slavery a long time ago and we should not be buying goods made in such a way. Tugendhat has been a long-standing China critic on the backbenches. He was a former candidate in the Tory leadership race, though later put his support behind Liz Truss. It's thought Tugendhat will be given a position in Truss's new administration. Truss herself has said the UN Human Rights Report shames China. She said the UK has already imposed sanctions on senior Chinese officials, as well as announced measures preventing UK companies from being complicit in human rights violations through supply chains. It seems to suggest that Truss's new administration will take a much harder line against the Chinese regime. Malcolm Hudson, NTD News. Now we turn to the U.S. and news on the Trump raid. A policy analyst says the raid on former President Trump's home helped to boost China's political agenda. NTD's Arlene Richards has the story. Judge Eileen Cannon recently granted former President Trump's request for a special master. She directed lawyers from both sides to submit a joint filing that includes a list of special master candidates. In her order, Cannon said because of Trump's status as a former president, the stigma associated with the subject seizure is in a league of its own. Policy analyst Bradley Thayer says raiding a former president's home cuts against the political stability of the United States. That's a violation of political American political culture and principles, uh, and that has an effect. What happens in the United States does not stay in the United States. It goes abroad. There's an international context for all of these uh, events uh, and actions. He said it was a negative event for the credibility of the United States, especially to China. It was a benefit to China and the Chinese Communist Party to see the Biden administration acting uh, in this way and make the U.S. future less attractive and, and allows the Chinese Communist Party uh, to have um, 
a little bit of an advantage, a little bit of a propaganda coup uh, because of that action. So it should have never been undertaken. He said America's responsibilities are not only with its own citizens, but also to its allies around the world. We also want to recognize that we do have an enemy, uh, the Chinese regime, that will seek to capitalize if we create a cleavage. So we need to be sensitive to how these events are going to be exploited uh, by our enemies and do our utmost to minimize those uh, clearly and obviously. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. Audit giant KPMG is being sued over a reportedly faulty audit of a Chinese company. The company is listed in the U.S. stock market and is one of the world's top four accounting firms. A Hong Kong court heard earlier this week that KPMG's audit allowed China Medical Technologies to carry out a $400 million accounting fraud. China Medical collapsed in 2012. Its senior executives are wanted on fraud charges in the U.S. Its liquidator said the auditor failed to ask obvious questions that would have uncovered the fraud. One example is that the company bought a Chinese business for over $170 million, but it was worth only $150,000. The Financial Times says the liquidator wants up to $830 million to cover allegedly misappropriated funds plus interest. This isn't the first time KPMG has found itself embroiled in similar accusations. Last year, the company settled a case in Hong Kong for $84 million over failure to identify fraud at a Chinese timber company. Besides KPMG, the other three leading audit companies are also facing scrutiny over their work on Chinese property developers, especially those burdened with heavy debts. The first China-made high-speed electric passenger train has arrived in Indonesia. The Friday delivery marks the start of Southeast Asia's first high-speed rail service. The train deal was signed in 2015 and falls under Beijing's Belt and Road Initiative. That's after Indonesia selected China over Japan to back the project. Worth noting, the Chinese train manufacturer, Qingdao Shifan Company, was previously partnered with Kawasaki Heavy Industries, the maker of Japan's famous bullet trains. But that partnership has since dissolved. Kawasaki also accused the Chinese company of patent infringement. A dynamic test of Indonesia's new train will be held as part of its upcoming showcase on the sidelines of the upcoming G20 summit. Indonesia is hosting the event in November. Chinese leader Xi Jinping is expected to attend the test. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Thanks for watching. But before you go, here's a short glimpse into this Thursday's special report. A greener and cleaner world. That and more is what policies like the Inflation Reduction Act aim to achieve. But are our efforts being underwritten by an adversarial power on the other side of the world? In this special report, we look at how the Chinese regime could be reaping the rewards of new industries, while American citizens get buried under higher energy prices here at home.